right, so welcome to episode nine of the Geek Therapy Podcast. You know, we talk a lot about the work that we do here on the podcast and the work that different clinicians do using geek culture in therapy and how it's really helping people's lives. And I was really excited to receive an email from somebody who listened to one of the episodes and they could relate to one of these stories. And he's here to tell us all about it. So, Richard, uh, thank you so much for being here. Um, what was it? Like, which episode was it? What was it that you listened to that um, made you want to reach out? First off, it's my, it's my pleasure. And um, it wasn't necessarily one of the, it was the Comicspedia, the 45-minute um, seminar that your uh, partner in crime had, where he was talking about, like, the relations to it when he was, like, uh, explaining it to the students, mm-hmm. uh, specifically when he was using the Jason Todd metaphor about yeah. that, because, um, honestly, I kind of feel like it's kind of an untapped resource in terms of um, helping uh, kids, children, even adults out with, um, you know, encountering some of their problems and um, how to deal with them in kind of a healthy way instead of just, like, um, shutting down and closing out the world to them. Cool, cool. Yeah, Comicspedia um, is pretty awesome. So uh, shout out to <laughs> Dr. Patrick O'Connor. Um <laughs> Who's not here, but um, he's been on the show a few times. So, so what was your story, Richard? Like, what was it that um, that happened? What exactly was it that um, you related to so much? Well, I mean, like, um, long story short, I'll cut to the chase in this, and I'll get into a little bit of the detail about it later on. But um, I am the survivor of a uh, suicide attempt when I was ten years old, and that happened because I was bullied a lot as a kid. I um, suffered a little bit from uh, depression and stuff. I used to um, beat and uh, cut myself, do all the, those types of things to myself. And then when I was 10, I tried to do a say enough is enough, and I tried to um, cut my wrists open. And uh, luckily, you know, that didn't happen. Family members kind of raced through the room and stopped me. But uh, immediately after that was when they decided to kind of get me some help. And, you know, like all good parents and family members do and everything when they see something terrible like that happen. And um, it was kind of at the therapy room that I started opening up a little bit. But it was also there where um, I started getting into comic books. And to be quite honest with you, I don't think I would have gotten out of my depression and I wouldn't have, um, you know, lost my suicidal thoughts and everything if it was not for um, the therapist kind of introducing comic books into my life at that point in time. I truly and honestly believe that if that did not happen, I would either be dead or in a much worse place than I am now um, instead of the great place that I am at this point in time. So how did he do that? Like, how did he bring it up in therapy? Well, it was, you know, after the therapy and everything, when I started going the first couple of times, and when I was a kid, I was very, very quiet. Now, most people that know me now are not going to believe that at all because they cannot shut me up at any point in time. Um, but when I first started going over there, it was very quiet. It was very hard to open, for me to open up. And usually when people ask me questions, I would try to keep it to a one or two word responses, like yes, no, that type of thing, no, thank you, please, that type, that type of stuff. So the first couple of therapy sessions, you know, he was just trying to get me to open up. Now, in his lobby, what he had was that he had literally a plethora of coloring books, comic books, and the whole nine yards and everything. Now, I think it was after the fourth or fifth time, he noticed that what I kept going to was actually the Mad Magazines that he had in there, um, Alpha P. Newman and all that type of stuff. So, you know, I would flip through the magazine and, you know, I would read through it. So one of the days, he looked at me, and, you know, and, like, and just out of the blue, when we were talking about my problems, he asked me, he goes, where's the of the Mad Magazine in there? And I was like, excuse me? And he goes, where's the of the Mad Magazine? And I was like, oh, it's, it's, it's really funny. And he goes, well, why is it funny? And I was like, oh, I like like those parody. I think it was like something like they did the the star. They did a parody of the Macarena with Star Wars or something like that. They had one of those <laughs> in that issue. But yeah, and so I started talking about that and everything. I was like, oh, I think it's kind of funny because. And he's like, why did you think that was funny? And I go, and you know, out of the blue, I just said, I was like, well, because I think the Macarena is a stupid dance. And you know, you got like a couple of chuckles out of me and stuff. And he goes, and so then he asked me, he's like, do you like reading that stuff? And I go, yeah, I do. And he said, and he goes, what else do you like? And I'm like, well, I'm kind of in a Batman and everything, but I can't read it too much. And they're like, and he asked me why. And he goes, I'm like, well, my parents don't like because it it's a little dark and everything. They don't, you know, they don't want me to go nuts or anything with it because they think he's kind of a dark character. And he goes, uh huh, uh huh, yeah. And he goes, why do you like Batman so much? And I'm like, well, I like him because of Robin. I think Robin's like a really cool character, that type of thing. I think it's cool that you brought him in and you taught him like, you know, 
martial arts and kung fu and how to be a detective and how they kind of work together, that type of stuff. So we wound up talking about comic books for about an hour afterwards. I mean, we were specifically talking about the character of Batman, specifically the character of Robin. Mm-hmm. So afterwards, my, um, I left the room and my father came inside because my father was the one who bought me that day. My parents would um, switch up. So one week would be my father, and next week would be my mother. My father walks into the room, and the psychiatrist talked to him. And afterwards, my father took me out to eat because we didn't have dinner at that point in time. So he took me to this local um, mall where we had and served those amazing hot dogs over there. So I got some hot dogs. It was right next to a newsstand. So he turned around to the newsstand, and he pointed at some comic books, and he's like, do you want one? And I, just, and I turned around, I was like, what? And he goes, do you want one? He goes, pick it out and everything. And I was like, I'm like, well, can I get the Batman one? He goes, yeah, sure, you can get the Batman one. And what I found out was the therapist told him, hey, he talks about this stuff, and he kind of loosens up when he talks about this stuff. So it's not necessarily a bad thing that he's looking at this. You should actually, you should make, you should have him read some more and everything. This might be good for him. And that's kind of how um, it started and everything, where the therapist would ask me about that stuff, kind of just to get me comfortable in the room with him, you would ask me about what comics did you, what, like, did you read the Batman comic this week? Oh, uh, the Batman comic wasn't out this week. Well, did you read the Mad Magazine in the lobby and everything? And then that was where, and then he would segue into kind of the more serious stuff, talking about my feelings, you know, how I felt depressed and stuff, how, um, you know, I kind of used to beat myself and I used to think that was what people wanted out of me and that type of thing. So, you know, that was kind of how it started. And, um, yeah, you know, kind of helped me on the long, long, long road to uh, recovery. Did you did you like uh, like how did you know about Batman or was it what were your feelings about him at that point before you really started um, before your dad took you to that newsstand that day? Um, my feelings about Batman they pretty I mean they more stemmed from two things which was the commercials that I saw on TV for the movies because back in like you know the early nineties they were in the you know it was in the Tim Burton Joel Schumacher era of uh, Batman so so they they stemmed from that. And they also stem from what I think is one probably the greatest television show of all time, which is Batman the Animated Series, which yeah. I used to watch every now and again. And um, like I said, what I, prim- what I really liked about that was, um, was this episodes of Robin in it. I really liked the episodes of Robin. I couldn't get enough of those when I watched that show. Um, because, you know, every- I think in a lot of kids' minds, they don't see themselves as Batman, nor do you kind of want to see yourself as Batman after a certain point. But you could see yourself as Robin, because Robin, you know, he gives, like, the smart alley comments. You know, he is kind of dating Batgirl. And, you know, he gets to hang out with Batman all the time. So, I mean, I always liked those episodes. And, um, you know, I know that, you know, nowadays people are kind of like, oh, Robin's a stupid character. But, you know, that character, to me, is one of the best creations in comic books in the history of you know the comic books you know the first robin dick grayson and everything so i just i feel like there's so much there's so much great potential with him and what he eventually became i think you know that character was the one that i kind of sympathized with the most when i first got into comic books and then they kind of almost i want to say lived through cathartically but was able to identify with um and you know it was kind of almost being like you know if he was a real person i would be able to talk to him you would understand where i was coming from at points so when the therapist brought this up, did you did you start looking forward to going to therapy? Like, did you just feel yes. a lot more comfortable? Okay. Yes, I absolutely did start looking forward to therapy after a while. And, you know, it was because of that, because, you know, he was willing to talk to me about it. He'd be willing to, like, be like, oh, is that cool? Like, why is that cool to you? And everything, like, that type of thing. And he, you know, years from now, I look back at it, and I think the deal is with him is that he was just trying to get me to talk. He was trying to get me to open up about my feelings, because... Like I said, I was very closed off. I did not like talking to people at that point in time because I felt like everybody kind of hated me at that point. And his idea behind it was that it was kind of like, show these people that, you know, you're smart, that you're interested in this stuff. Show people that you're willing to talk about these things. And, um, you know, as, and he was kind of, you know, as he told my parents, he'll slowly open up. If you guys are willing to listen to him about this stuff, he will slowly open up about other things also about how he feels about school, about, like, you know, somebody's making fun of him. He won't just keep quiet about everything, even if he comes home with, like, new bruises on and everything. So, I mean, he really, I think, I think he, he stumbled upon it. I don't think it was something that he was planning on doing, but once he saw that I was into it, he was willing to go along with it. Yeah, absolutely. It was something you cared about, someone who had trouble speaking. That was the one thing you wanted to talk about. So it, it probably made perfect sense to him. Yes. 
and I mean, it really did. It made a lot of sense to him. I think it made a lot of sense to him. Like I said, he was the one that revealed it to my parents because my parents originally not like they like I loved them to death and everything, and they, I mean, they helped me through everything. But I think at the beginning of it, when all this stuff went down, they had a hard time comprehending it because you know, I was one of those kids that was into sports or anything else like that. And stuff. I mean, I took you know Taekwondo when I was a kid, but that was about it. And like I said, I was still very quiet about it. I didn't like talking to anybody about it and, and everything. So when that happened, they kind of, they kind of almost like segued into that where it was kind of like, well, if this is what he likes, then we need to, we need to nurture this. We need to be able to kind of support him with this. And that was, and you know, it was funny because my dad told me years later that um, it was kind of a learning experience for him because he didn't, he kind of, he didn't get it at first, but he knew, that it was making his son a little bit happier because he told me those years for him and my mom were brutal. They couldn't stand to see me like that. They were so scared that they were going to lose me at some point, you know, even not just a suicide, but I was going to do something stupid or rash in a couple of years, you know, because we lived in, because we lived around the inner city and stuff. So they were just very scared about that. And then, you know, when he found out about it, he said that, you know, it was just, it was such a joy for him to be able to just start talking to me again about this stuff and everything. Because, like I said, him and my mom were just so utterly terrified about what could happen to me. So not only did your therapist start talking about this stuff with you, your your parents eventually did too? Yes, my parents did. I mean, my dad, um, I get him comic books every now and again now also. Um, he's a big Superman fan, so you can understand that some of the dinner table conversations at points can get into a high dispute because I'm a, you know, Batman, that type of guy. I'm that type of guy. So he's like, Superman's better. And I'm like, no, Batman is, you know, go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth about it and everything. But originally he really wasn't. And, you know, I had to, and he, like I said, he begrudgingly read it because, you know, he loved me and he knew that it was going to help me. Yeah. It was going to help. It was going to help me get better and everything. So that's how he does it now. Um, there are certain comic books which he sees. If he likes them, I'll just walk into the living room and I'll see him like reading it. And of course, the first thing that I say to him is, "Please don't bend the pages back. So you're ruining the spine." <laughs> um, so you know, it's, it's uh, that type of thing. It's, that, it's those types of conversations that we have at points and everything. But yeah, he got really into it and everything. And then, of course, uh, my mom. You know, kind of got into it, and obviously she wasn't going to get into it nearly as much as the guys did and everything. But, you know, every now and again, she would talk to me about it. And, you know, after that point, of course, they would start let, they let me start watching the uh, Batman movies. Uh, I think at that time, the first three were out. Thank God the fourth one didn't come out during that time period. Otherwise, I probably would have burned all my comic books immediately afterwards. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> even as, I'll tell you something, just on a little side, even as a, even as like, you know, the, the age I was when I went to see that movie, even I would have walked out of that film like, what did I just watch? Why, why did they make that movie? What happened? You did it like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger didn't convince you as a... Look, I, I, I love Arnold Schwarzenegger movies most of the time and everything. And, you know, I mean, that movie's, I mean, that movie's brilliant for the sheer... Uh, the one thing I give that movie credit for is the sheer number of one-liners that comes out of that man's mouth throughout it. But, <laughs> no, and, you know, I'll tell you the other reason why was because also I was such a big fan of the of the television show at the time that when I first went in there, I was like, oh, they're going to do... um what was it called? Heart of Ice. Heart of Ice was the episode from the Batman the Animated Series when they introduced Mr. Freeze mm-hmm. and you had that huge sympathetic villain thing and when I went in there I just was like, I'm like, Mr. Freeze doesn't do that at all in the comic books or the tele- or the television animated series. What's up with this? And then, you know, of course my dad was like walking out of there being like, son, are you sure you still want to be in the comic books? And I'm like, yes, I still do because it's not that. So, you know, kind of a little funny, kind of almost like a little bit of a funny moment and everything, because that came out, I think, about 10, 11 months after, you know, I started seeing the therapist and everything. But, yeah, that was kind of interesting, because I almost considered, kind of considered a breakthrough, because we were both critiquing it on the way home. We were both like, yeah, that movie was awful. <laughs> but, you know, a few months before, you wouldn't have even been able to ag- yes, agree on exactly. that. It would have been something you could talk about. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a couple of months before, I could pretty much tell you how the conversation went down, which is he would have asked me if I liked the movie, and I would have said yes, and it just would have stopped. Yeah, The conversation would have stopped dead. I wouldn't have discussed it anymore with him or anything like that, because, like I said at the time, I thought my pain wasn't worth anything. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, like I said, that's just, that shows you 
kind of how far I came at that point. Not that it was fully, you know, some of the thoughts and everything like that and some of the stuff that I was going through was fully gone by that point because this was definitely something that kind of took a couple of years to kind of get over and overcome that type of thing. Didn't really, I didn't really overcome what happened to me when I was 10 until about um, mid-high school. You know, when, like, you know, when actually, ironically, the um, bigger comic book films started coming out, you know, X-Men, Spider-Man, all those guys, when, like, the first wave of them started coming out. Yeah. So you can remember, like, pre and post being able to share that kind of thing with your parents. Yeah, I mean, like, my parents say I have, like, a freakishly good memory. And unfortunately, I mean, it's, it's like a double-edged sword and everything where it's like, you know, it helps me, you know, when I'm at work or I'm at social events and they'll recall things just like that. But also, you know, it's like... You know, you want, you, you want some things from your past to blur, and unfortunately they don't. I mean, there are times I suffer from um, insomnia at points even to this day because I have nightmares about my past at points. Okay. And, um, you know, I kind of overthink it at times where I can't go to sleep because I'm constantly, you know, thinking and juggling that type of stuff at times. So, you know, I'm sure some of the people that you've also talked to privately can also tell you this. It's like... It's like you're you're okay. You're in a much better place. You're doing much better. You're not gonna. You know you're not gonna go back to kind of that dark, deep, dark place and everything. But it never really goes away. It's always gonna be a part of you at times. And it's not like you could just shut it away. But I do feel like one of the best things to do at times is kind of almost to confront it, mm-hmm. which is I, how I feel like what I do and stuff. Anytime like I you know read a comic book and everything, because that's what those guys do. They confront quite literally sometimes. You know big giant demons like the middle of the street and everything so you know you kind of use that type of thing kind of as fuel where it's kind of like well somebody thinks that this person could do this i guess i might as well try and see if i can confront my you know my personal memories and my personal pains and that type of thing Um, you you touch on a whole bunch of really good points one is uh, so your, your therapist brought up comics because it was something that you liked and then your parents um started sharing something with you right? You liked it, and then you were able to open up communication, and that made a big difference. But even yes, now, yes. when you're older, like how many, you know, that was many years ago, and now and now there's still that idea of these things that you love, they can, they're still therapeutic. They can still help you out even today. Yes. I mean, that's the thing that's great about them. I mean, it's just like, and this is what I've told some people, is that, you know, there's a whole universe out there, literally, of this stuff. I mean, literally, there even did multiverses of them. You know, they have that entire, like, you know, they have these entire things where it's like, if one character doesn't work for you anymore, well, guess what? There's an entirely new character that's almost the complete opposite of them that can work for you, that can that can relate to you at this point in time. You know, it's, a, it's one of the things I love about it. It's an ever-changing medium. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, you know, there's still going to be the mainstays like superheroes and stuff, but, I mean, every single issue could bring on something different to you and can help you in a different way. You just got to let it help you, I think. That's the best way, I think, to describe it. And also, you know, I've been really getting into, um, I kind of also wish they were around when I was younger, some of the newer graphic novels, like, for instance, um, the Superman Earth One by um, J. Michael Straczynski. Yep. That's a great, I mean, that's a, that's, I, mean, I know a lot of people have called it the emo Superman, but I think that's a fantastic book. Because yeah. um, I think it because re- that was the f- that one and um, what was the other one? Superman Birthright by Mark Wade. Those were the two books that actually kind of got me into Superman a little bit. Where I was kind of like, oh, he's not just like a big blue boy scout. This guy feels isolation. This guy feels lonely. This guy kind of at points of time doesn't want his power. Doesn't want that responsibility to have to do this. But you know, he works through that, and you know, that's I'm able to sympathize with that, and that kind of made me relate to it and stuff. Whereas you know, and at the time that I was reading that, you know, I wasn't in too much into Batman. So that's an example of that right there where it was like I, you know, didn't get into Batman at that point in time. So I started reading a Superman comics and I was like, oh, my God, I get what this guy is doing. I get what this guy is saying and everything. And I'm able to sympathize but I'm able to understand that. So, yeah, there's so, you know, many, I mean, there's so many different versions of, of each of these characters. My, yes, my, and... My dad liked uh, the Batman serials. I don't know if you've ever seen those, like the old black and white serials where he would change in the backseat of a car. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, like, if you want to know something interesting, the Batman that I always liked wasn't necessarily the, um, what do you call it? The I guess you'd call him the psychopathic Batman. Like, And, I mean, I guess the best, uh, best example of that, and please 
people when you hear this don't come trying to five me with pickaxes and pitchforks and you know brimstone and everything is um frank miller with uh, the dark knight returns not that one specifically though the sequel the dark knight um strikes back because in that one i felt like when i was reading it i was like this is almost unrecognizable because one of the things i always i always kind of have looked at Batman as a very positive character and I know it's a little weird for people because it's like it's Batman this guy broods and does stuff but when I look at when I look at him I see a person who um who took the tragedy that happened to him and instead of using it to kind of destroy himself used it to, used it to kind of almost elevate himself to a higher calling of you know duty to people around him where he's kind of like this happened to me now, because of this, I can make sure it doesn't happen to someone else. Right? I can at least try to make sure it doesn't happen to someone else. And you know what? I'm not going to stop until every breath in my body is gone and my heart stops beating. And to me, that's an incredibly positive thing. That's an incredible way of thinking about stuff. I mean, one of the things that I also love about it is that Batman's one of the most, in my personal opinion, Batman's one of the most hopeful characters. And that's another thing I think people could get out of comic books, especially when they're dealing with, um, you know, thoughts of suicide and that type of stuff is, you know, comic books offer an incredible amount of hope that, you know, no matter how dark situations get, you can always get out of them. Like I said, with Batman, you know, if this guy was as depressing and as, like, morbid as some of the other writers have made him, well, he'd be killing first off. He doesn't kill. And the reason why I think he doesn't kill is not just because he doesn't want to cross that line, but also because I think deep down there's part of him that wants to believe that some of the people that he captures can rehabilitate themselves and make themselves better. You know, that some of the crooks that he catches and everything, like, you know, they wind up turning their lives around. And he doesn't want to rob them of that opportunity. And, you know, I think that, I think for example, I think that's in a trait of Batman that I think not enough people um, go after a little bit and everything, that this is a man who does this. And I think that's also the trait in him that he sees Robin, because, you know, Robin could have gone into a whole different direction when his parents were killed in the city. He's like, no, 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 I take you, and I'm going to teach you how to use that anger and that rage and make it into something positive. And one of the cool things is that Robin is in Batman in the comic books, and in a couple of the comic books, one of the things that I loved when especially in recent issues, specifically with the character of Dick Grayson, a.k.a. Nightwing, which is one of my all-time favorite, favorite, favorite characters, is that he can never, he never truly says it to him, but everybody knows it, and they've all said it to Dick Grayson, is that he is the, Batman has said it to Superman a couple of times in the comic book, that Dick Grayson is the best thing that he ever gave to the world. And I think that's such a powerful and amazing message to be able to give to people. That, like, you know, the greatest thing that he did was that he wasn't that he stopped the Joker from poisoning, you know, the reservoir at some point. It wasn't that he stopped Ra's al Ghul from destroying the world. It was that he took this boy and he molded him into something better. And I think that that's, like, just one of a million examples I think that Connell could give to people and that the people could take in their lives and kind of apply it to themselves or to people around them. Yeah, I mean, those are really inspirational um, things. You know, like, how could you, if you're inspired by a character like that, I think that says a lot about you. And to be able to share that with other people. Like, right now, we're geeking out about superheroes, right? But we're talking about real, you know, real issues and real emotions and, and things that can really make a difference if people apply them in their real lives. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no question about it. I mean, if you take that inspiration, you start applying it to your life, there's no telling what people can accomplish at certain points in time. I mean... It's, and like I said, I mean, like the naysayers, the people who are just like, oh, it's for kids or, oh, it's, you know, oh, this, that, and the other thing. It's it's like, it's, it's only pop culture. That's one of the things I can't stand is when people say it's only pop culture and everything. It's like, no, you don't get it. These things have tapped into something that I think very few mediums have done. I mean, movies, I love movies. You know, I work in, I work in the industry and everything, and I love films and everything, but it doesn't tap into that sense of hope and that sense of wonder and that sense of commitment to a better cause nearly as much as comic books do. And, you know, that's why I feel like that medium is so perfect because, I mean, it's like the writers have to come up with new and more interesting ways to kind of show these characters overcoming their obstacles. And like I said, as you probably already guessed, um, I like comic books that tend to deal with, like, you know, the inner struggles at times because, you know, I'm able to sympathize with that a lot more. So, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I love the issues, and, you know, I love seeing in the movies, like, you know, the scene where Spider-Man or um, the X-Men have to go up against, you know, Dr. Octopus or Magneto or something like that because, you know, they're going to detonate a nuclear device in the city. But what I love to see is, you know, this issue, those in-between moments where afterwards where you see, like, 
somebody like um, you know Peter Parker to sooner and being like, am I doing am, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing enough? Do I do I need to do more and everything? Because that really sympathizes them with me. I mean, my other favorite character is um, Daredevil, and man, if you want to talk about a character at points in time that um, you know gets to those types of moments, just read two issues of that comic, and you'll be floored with philosophical thoughts for about a couple of weeks. Well, and, and this is this is a good place to ask you. Um, so, for people out there who who may have been who may have gone through through some of the things that you went through, maybe, mm-hmm. um, what kind of characters would you recommend that they look into? What kind of runs on comics do you think they they should take a look at? Well, I will say this: there's a Comicspedia website, and also um, you you got you guys got this absolutely right. Nightwing, for one, is a fantastic character to start off with. That was the character when you know when I because. You know, my dad gave me the Batman comics, and then my cousin is kind of like my older brother, and he was the, he was the member of the family who, when I met, I found out didn't just wasn't just into comics. He loved comic books, collecting constantly. I would have models at his house and everything. And you know, he also had a wife and kids, so it was kind of actually like, oh my god, there's this guy that loves comic books and everything. When I first met him, and he's got a family, so maybe I could actually have that at some point in time also. <laughs> and so he would take me to the comic book store. And you know, and, and you know, naturally, you know, we have the same best question, like, hey, and the Batman, yeah, I'm in the Batman, yada yada yada. So now all of a sudden, he like he goes, he looks at me and he just goes, "You said you're a big Robin fan, right?" And I go, "Yeah." And he goes, well, "You know, there've been multiple Robins," and naturally, my mind exploded at that point. <laughs> um, and I'm just like, and I'm just like, really? And he's like, and he's like, yeah. And he goes, "Well, which one is your favorite?" And I'm like, "I like the first." And I was like, "Well, the one of the tele- the animated series." And he looks at me, and, and then he looks at me, and he goes, you mean Dick Grayson? And I go, yeah. And I go, I love that kid. And he goes, I love that character and everything. And he goes, well. And he goes, well, you know, he's his own superhero now. And I'm like, no way. You know, doing like, you know, the whole typical, like, 10-year-old. And at this point, I'm practically jumping up and down. Once again, this would never have happened, like, I think about 12 months. I think it was around the 12-month mark at that point. 12 months ago and everything. I would never have acted like this. And so then he goes, he looks at me, and he goes, yeah. You want to get that comic book? And yeah, and... Man, she, she opened up the can of worms at that point. I mean, I was reading comic books, you know, at that point in time, and, you know, they were talking, but when that character was introduced to me, it was, it, it was, it became the lifelong hobby at that point. Um, because that character to me, like I said, represents the ultimate hope of everybody. Because like I said, Batman in certain issues looks at Nightwing and it's just like, this is, this is my gift. This, this person is the greatest thing I've given to the world. This is, and if I die, this is my number one accomplishment was raising this what was originally a broken boy and turning him into something that's a real positive thing. Because the interesting thing about Nightwing is that he's not as brooding as Batman a lot of the times. He's a lot more he's a lot more fun to be around and stuff. You know, he's one of the, you know, it's like if the Justice League were to go out for beers after, you know, a hard day of defeating Darkseid or something, Batman wouldn't go, but Nightwing would go around and stuff. And he'd be a guy who everybody wants to ask questions to. And the interesting thing is he has so much respect from everybody in the DC universe because of the training that he has, how smart he is, but he's also a very humble person. He doesn't let it get to his head. And, I mean, I just think that's a great role model to start off with, because, like I said, it's a person who had an extreme tra- uh, traumatic thing happen to him, kind of like Batman, but also turned into a positive way, and is almost better a better human being than Batman is, because, you know, he's a little bit more humble. He doesn't judge anybody that's around him and stuff. He has that sense of hope with him, and you know, he's just an all-around good guy in the comic books, and, and everybody loves kind of the... him. Everybody, yeah, loves everybody, him. everybody loves him. I mean, like, are you are are you a fan of Nightwing? Have you read like a number of those issues and everything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, you've seen it. Nobody hates the guy in the comic book. Everybody loves this person. Everybody gives him his due respect and stuff when he comes in, and like he tries to save the world and everything. And he, and the other thing that's great about him is. He's also just human, just like most of, like, you know, just like Batman and everything. He has no superpowers. He uses his head and he uses his muscles. And to me, you know, that's amazing. So, I mean, that's, that was kind of the first guy. And then and when we um, moved from where I used to live um, out to the uh, West Coast and everything, I started getting into another character, and that was Daredevil. And uh, Daredevil, to me, that was kind of a character who I'm kind of glad I didn't get into when I was younger because I don't think I would have understood him as much. But Daredevil to me kind of introduced the theme of like the fighter and real. I mean, really, it really kind of hammered home the idea of never giving up, ever, and never stop fighting and that type of thing. Because that character, 
I mean, literally every single writer, it almost feels like they got to see where we can, where we can we put this guy to do lows. And every single time he always figures out a way to emerge and stuff. I mean, um, one of the great, one, I think one of the great underrated comic books, and I give him a lot of credit for this is, um, Guardian Devil by Kevin Smith. That was my introduction to Daredevil. Um, have you ever read that? No, no, I haven't. Okay. Um, you know, like, um, you know, the Silent Bob, like Kevin Smith, yeah, like Silent yeah, Bob yeah, Kevin yeah, Smith yeah. and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I was getting into his movies at the time because I was 13 and 14, and, you know, I would, I would sneak into the films. Don't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> um, I would sneak into the films when I was a little kid and everything, when I was, um, you know, 13 and 14, and I would see them because I found them funny. And I was kind of into them, and then, you know, my cousin told me, he was like, yeah, you know, he read comic books also. But he told me, he goes, they're not funny. He goes, they're really well written, but they're not funny. <laughs> and I kind of looked at him and I was like, really? He's like, he does like kind of some of the dramatic stuff? And he goes, yeah. And he lent me the graphic novel for Daredevil, Guardian, Devil. And it just blew me away. The type of caliber, like especially because it was such a character-driven story because it was about this guy. I mean, at the beginning of it, Daredevil lost his girlfriend. He's doubting God. He doesn't even know if, like, you know, being a super, if him being a superhero makes a difference to anyone anymore. And once again, I was able to sympathize with that because it's kind of like, well, what am I doing in this world? And he goes, this is incredible, incredible, incredible journey throughout the entire thing. And at the end of it, the scenario that he's in, I don't want to spoil it for anybody who wants to read it after hearing you talk about this, but the scenario that he's in doesn't necessarily end in the best way. It wasn't overly his fault or anything like that, but it didn't necessarily end the way that he wanted it to. And at the end of the story, one of the other superheroes has to go up to him and go, you know, you don't get it, do you? He goes, you still save lives. There's still one person that's alive now that wouldn't have been if you didn't step in. And he tells him, that's what you need to focus on. That's what you need to remember anytime you do this stuff, is that that one person is alive because you stepped in, and that means everything. And um, that kind of, that, when I first read that, I'm not going to lie, I was, I was almost driven to tears. Yeah. Because that was such like a powerful, I think, moment in that comic book. You know, that idea and that, like, and that theme and stuff. So, I mean, those, those two characters, I think, were my two favorites at the, at the time and stuff. And those kind of got me through, you know, some heavy-duty stuff that I was going through and everything. I mean, obviously, as you probably already guessed, I was, you know, I'm a huge fan of Batman. I still am a huge fan of Batman. Um... Or some of the other characters that I was into at that point. You no, know, Spy. I mean, a lot of the basic stuff, other than those guys. You know, Spider-Man, uh, X-Men, because I was at the perfect age for when the Ultimate line started coming out. Especially, you know, Ultimate Spider-Man and Ultimate X-Men were kind of the first number ones that I had. I actually have number ones of both of them. I'm really happy now that I have the Ultimate Spider-Man number one because of how much that's worth. I'm finding out as I go on eBay every other week. Those are actually the the comics that really really got me into comics because I was afraid of continuity before. Oh, I know what you mean. It's yeah. It's... And I said number one, I can, I can go back only ten issues and I'll be all caught up. And then that's I I have hard covers of almost all of the I have all the X Men Ultimate X Men before the, the the relaunch and then all of Ultimate Spider-Man. And it's still, to this day, the one comic book that I've been reading consistently every month. Oh, Ultimate Spider-Man, I still read consistently because, you know, as long as Brian Michael Bendez still keeps him, keeps him rolling, <laughs> I'm going to still keep I'm going to still keep reading them and everything. Um, Ultimate X-Men, you know, I, I, I like Ultimate X-Men more because of the fact that not only was it good writing by Mark Millar, but also because that man knew how to drive, and that man knew how to stage a scene. I mean, it was like watching a Michael <laughs> Bay movie reading and yes. reading through that comic book. That thing, that thing got insane at points, which I which I love, but I loved it at the time. Like I said, it was fourteen when they first started coming out. So yeah. you know, I would, I was, I was like chewing, I was chewing them up and the spinning and, and spinning those two out. Like no, there's business at that point. And then, um, you know, of course, then like you know, like I said, I really got into Kevin Smith's comic book, which is right around then. Um, he came out with an interesting issue. He came out with an interesting storyline for Green Arrow. I got into Green Arrow for a little bit. Then of course, Smallville came out of the air and. It, it, Really, right around that time, I mean, I was I was pretty much lost to the the cause of the comic book. There was no way I was ever going to get out of it. It was just, it, it was just one of those things where you just, if you knew me, you were just going to have to accept the fact that no, this is something I'm never giving up. <laughs> I mean, and and anybody who, who listens to this episode will hear how passionate you are about this stuff. Like you really like this, and and it means something to you. 
It means something to me, and I think the thing is, and this is one of the reasons why I decided to reach out kind of to you guys and talk to you, is that I think it can mean something to other people also. Like I, like I tell people constantly, I'm like, don't just knock these things. Really read them. Really try to think about them. Think about the themes. Think about how they can apply to you. And think about how, you know, it's something that they do can inspire you. Because my whole thing is this stuff is that if somebody is able to think about it, then that means it's possible. And that means in some way or some shape or form that thing is possible and everything. Now, don't take that to mean that if I think that somebody thought about Dr. Doom or something like that, that's possible for you to become like Dr. Doom. What I mean is, is that I think it's possible for you to kind of almost try to get up to those standards. You know, one of the things that people have asked me is that, you know, they ask me about, you know, how realistic it is, and they ask me about Superman a lot, and this is kind of something I've talked a lot about with people, where they say, well, how realistic is it for somebody to, you know, gain those powers and then remain good the entire time? They would never remain good the entire time. At some point in time, they would turn into a bad guy, or they would do something horrible, and that type of thing, you know, it's like, it's a statistical impossibility, and the next question I would ask them is like, well, how impossible do you think it is? Would it be like one in and, you know, nine times out of ten, they would tell me it would be one in a million or one in a billion that you would be able to find that person. And then I go, aha, well, there are six billion people in the world, and the one person who, is in the, who has got those superpowers is the one person in that one in one billion. And now he's doing it. So I think it is possible. I think, it, I think it's really important to hold on to ideals, too, right? Yeah, um, I, absolutely. It is. I mean, that's just... This week I was listening to... Yeah, this week I was listening to... Um, an old book, it was an old audio book, and they were talking about Lance Armstrong. They were talking mm-hmm. about him as this infallible super guy, you know, who, who who accomplished all of these things. And unfortunately, today we know that that's, he, he wasn't the ideal athlete, right? He wasn't the ideal role model. And mm-hmm. and you go back and, and, and it's kind of sad, right? Like, what if that was your superhero? Like, Lance Armstrong was your, your the guy that you look up to, and then that happened. So with Superman, you don't have that. You know, he continues to be that representation of an ideal that we can look at and say, you know, I want to, I, I can do that. I would, I would like yeah, to, that's wanna, what it looks I w- like. I want to be like this guy. I don't necessarily, you know, I can't, you know, I'm not going to be able to fly or anything, but I want to be like this guy. I want to be the type of person that, you know, if this guy were actually real and he were to fly by and he were to see me and he were to all of a sudden figure out my life story, he'd be like, I'm proud that you're, that you're here. I'm proud of what you've done. And I'm proud of the fact that my, my example led you to this, led you to this moment where you're able to do all these things. And, you know, and I don't, you know, you know, a couple of people will say this, stuff. I don't believe that's unhealthy to be able to try to go after those ideals at points. I don't believe that, you know, it's wrong to be able to look at that and be like, okay, you know, in one issue I've seen, I saw Batman give, like, you know, in Batman Earth One, the one that's written by Jeff Johnson, the first couple of pages, he goes after his bad guy, he fails, and then he automatically turns around and he sees this homeless family, and, you know, they're first they're scared because, you know, he's in a Batman costume, and they're frightened about what's going on, and then all of a sudden, you just see him take out this money, and he just gives it to him, and he tells him, get some food, and he just disappears. That's possible. You can do that. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of one of the things that I think I started getting out of complex after a while. You can do those things. You can't stop. You shouldn't stop doing those types of things just because, you know, somebody like Lance Armstrong didn't live up to the ideal that, you know, we were originally hoping for and stuff. Does it suck? Yes, absolutely. It's you know, it's a little it's very sad at times. But you know, it doesn't mean you should just stop because it is possible for you to still do those things. And it's not an excuse to stop. And I've met enough people now who who really believe, you know, they'll ask themselves in a time of adversity, a time that's really difficult for them, like, what would Batman do? What would Superman do? You know, to find an answer. I don't know if you've ever yeah. been there. Oh, no, I've been there. I mean, I've been there constantly and everything. I mean, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, are you going to be doing, I mean, look, we're all human. Are you going to be doing the ideal thing all the time? No, of course not. You can't. It's just, if you do, then congratulations. You truly are a superhero in real life and everything. But you know, every time you do, but the, what matters is, is that after you ask those questions to yourself, it's like, all right, I didn't do this this time around. Well, how can I fix that? What can I do and everything? And, of course, what's good is that, you know, the comic books every now and again also reflect that, these characters make mistakes too. They're not infallible also. They do make certain mistakes and you see them having them to overcome it. So it also kind of helps you to be able to look at that and be like, look, okay, Batman didn't catch the crook this time around, but you know, in the next page he figured out how to and everything. So that means that I could be able to figure out how to overcome my problems at a certain point. Yeah. Or what did he learn from it? Or, or how did he handle it the second time? Or did he just give up or did he try again? 
Exactly. I mean, like, I always feel like Batman's biggest superpower, as well as, well as um, Daredevil's, is that they never give up. They never stop fighting. It's like they have moments of doubt. They have moments where they question things. Sometimes they even go through a period of time where they're like, I can't do this anymore. But they always find a way to come back. Yeah. They always do. And it's not just because of the fact that circulation would drop down 200% if they didn't. Um, and we, I don't think we've talked about this. We've, we've kind of touched on the idea of how great it is to sh- like right now, like I'm, I'm having fun talking about this with you, right? Like this is, this is fantastic. And just to have that with other people, I think is, it, it feels good, right? I think this is part of the whole geek therapy idea to be able to share this. And before the show, we were talking about Comic-Con and I've been to a yeah. few Comic-Cons and that camaraderie and just to be able to share this, not only with your parents and, and to share it with your therapist, to share it with your friends, to share it on message boards, on Twitter, all this kind of thing. I mean, I think that's, you know, what, what are your feelings about that, that camaraderie that exists within the, the culture? I mean, like, I can't, I can't reiterate this, you know, we are living in a golden age them right now, I think. Um, and I mean, like you know, it's funny because I've been just the one that the one that I go to consistently is the San Diego Comic Con. You know, what I the describe mecca. as my well, yeah, yeah mecca. Oh, geez, you couldn't have put it, but that's what I don't know how to describe it. I'm like, it's mecca for nerds. If you're a nerd, you got to make a pilgrimage to it at least once. Um, <laughs> and every yeah, or at least you have to you have to try at some point in time. And you know, over the past couple of years, I'm probably, I'm sure you've read some of the reports and everything. Some people have said that, um, oh, you know, it's gotten too Hollywood or it's gotten too crowded and everything. And my response to that is, you know what? I love that aspect of it. I mean, one of the, some of the best times that I've had at that convention is literally waiting in line for about four or five hours with some of these people, like, you know, outside the big halls because, you know, Guillermo del Toro is going to come on and talk about Hellboy. And just getting to know them. And I mean, that's one of the things that I tell people, like, you know, if they go for the first time, what's the best advice that I can give you? I'm like, all right, well, you're going to be waiting for something at some point in time. You just, you, you need to accept that right before you walk in there. If that happens, look around you and start talking to the people around you because they're all there for the same reason you are. So there's not, there's an, you, how can you not start a conversation with these people? How can you not get interested in this? How can you not make new friends. And literally, I could give you so many stories about how I've been down there and I've made friends with people that are online where literally, by the end of the day, we're going out for drinks or we're going out to dinner or we're doing something together because we all love this and we're all feeding off of that energy. And I keep in contact with them over the year until the next Comic-Con and then we do the same exact thing. And I mean, that's, that's awesome. I love that aspect of it. I think that's one of the best things about it. You know, people who suffer from depression, I mean... They don't want to do anything, you know, they, I mean, you know, when it's really, really bad, some of the symptoms include, you know, just not wanting to do things, not, not enjoying things, not wanting to leave the house, not wanting to talk to people. And just to have this thing that, you know, you can share with so many people. Um, oh, it's so well, good. It's so therapeutic. <laughs> it's such a great thing. And I mean, like going back to the depression, side, I mean, like, you know, when I was suffering from depression, you know, when I first got started, I was, you know. We were talking about it before. It was the same exact way. I didn't want to talk to people. just wanted to be by myself. But here's the great thing about comic books, I feel like, is when you get that first issue, you're by yourself at first. So, you know, it's a little bit, it's like a little baby step where you're just starting to read it. So you read a couple of these things. And then after a while, when you start getting passionate about it, kind of like the way I was, then you start talking to more people about it. Then you start seeking out people who are into the same exact things you are. And then all of a sudden, it's like you discover a brand new world if you just let it come into your life like that. But it starts with you kind of being, you know, it starts off as this very intimate thing and it kind of grows. But that's good for people that, you know, are suffering that, that need to be, because, you know, you can't just, you can't take a depressed person who you think is in the comic books and just throw them in a Comic-Con and tell them to have fun. It has to start gradually, I kind of feel yeah. like. Yeah. And I mean, what's cool about it is that it could start off as this great intimate thing where they're just by themselves sort of like, hey, I know you want to be by yourself, but I know you're into, I heard that you're into Superman or something. Here's an issue about it. And they'll read it. And then, you know, maybe, you know, it's something, maybe they don't say a couple of words to you for a couple of weeks. And then, but if they just mutter this, if they just mutter anything that's remotely like, you know, I kind of like the issue, then get them another issue, for God's sakes. Get, get them two if you have to. Get them three. And just, you know, if you leave, like, you know, and, you know, if they still want to be left alone a little bit, just leave them alone. And they'll start talking about it. That's what happened to me. I started talking about it after a while, you know, it was like it first started off as this quiet thing and it was, it was like the snowball effect where it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. 
and everything. And now I'm like, I go to conventions and everything, and I can't wait to wait. I can't wait to only get two hours of sleep because I have to get in line at five o'clock in the morning and able to go see the latest trailer for the Hobbit that's probably going to be released on the internet two weeks later because <laughs> I love the camaraderie of it. Yeah. So, so I mean, looking back, like, uh, what kind of advice uh, do you have for parents who may have a kid who was in your situation or friends? You know, I mean, you just gave an example of, you know, what you could do if you meet somebody, you know, if you have a friend that you see that likes something like this. Like, what what kind of feedback can you give us for, as someone who, who went through this? Oh, man, that's, that's a great and interesting question. I'm just trying to figure out how to answer it. I mean, I would say one of the first things, I mean, like I said, is that this person... And speaking from my experiences and stuff, they're going to be blaming themselves for a lot of things. They're going to be blaming themselves for, you know, the faults of the world and, you know, the problems that are around them and people are fighting and everything. So, I mean, the first thing is to kind of almost be like kind of, like you got to figure out a way to reassure them. And like I said, the way that they started reassuring me is, you know, if you think, I mean, it doesn't, I mean, like I said, we're talking specifically about comic books. If you think they're into comic books or you think they're even remotely interested in it, take the leap. The thing only costs about three, four bucks right now, so it's not like, you know, you're spending 50, 100, $150 buying this for them. Take a leap, buy them an issue, and just give it to them to read. And that's the first thing I would say is just give it to them to read. You don't have to, for, don't tell them you have to read, read it and then we're going to talk about it. Just give it to them to read. Let the Let the idea kind of ferment in them and everything. And then, you know, if you want to, a couple of days later, ask them, say, what you think about that? And if they start talking about it, that's when you know you have something. I mean, that right there is just, that's when you know. And that's when it's like, okay, so you like this. Well, you know what? There's a comic book store down the block. That's where I got it from. Do you want to come over there and, you know, maybe see if you like, you know, a couple of other superheroes or something? And just like that. And they'll start talking about it. I mean, this is what happened to me. Was, you know, I started talking about it. And then as I started talking about it, the conversation kind of segued into the more serious things about what I was feeling like. And then, you know, my parents at times would ask me, well, how do you think Batman would have reacted to the situation? How do you think Robin would have reacted to the situation? And when I gave them that answer, you know, they kind of looked at me and they go, well, don't you think you should try to act that way? Do you want to try? And, you know, they didn't do it in an accusatory or, like, you know, they didn't say it to me in an accusatory or in an angry voice or anything. They said it in a very gentle voice to me. And, you know, it, it just, I think it just sparks something in your head. I think it just, I think, I think it's just something that could just spark something in your head and it just, you let it grow. And, you know, especially the parents, the one thing I'm going to tell you is, is that this is something that it's not, it's not the cure all. It's not something that's going to let them have all the problems magically go away at some point in time. They're not going to go away after about a month or so. They're not going to go away two months ago. They're not going to go away a year later. I mean, as I told you before, I mean, I still have problems. I have problems sleeping at points. I have nightmares about it. These things I pretty much accept that are probably going to be happening to me from time to time again. But what it does help you do is be able to kind of realize you can overcome it because you look at these characters and they're able to overcome all these insurmountable odds and even though it's fantasy, it does like that spark in you that makes you go, you know what, I can overcome this also. So, I mean, above all, for the parents and stuff, I would say, you know, if you if you want to buy them an issue and they want it and they want an issue and you find out that there are the comic books, you got to give it time. You can't, it's not something that's going to happen overnight, but it will yield some type of results. Like my parents, like I told you, when they graduated, when I graduated from high school, they told me that, like, they told me they were so happy I was in the comic books because, you know, if they didn't, like like I said, my dad also feels the same way. He says, he goes, I don't know what type of person you would be. And he goes, I can't be prouder of the man that stands in front of me than I am right now. And it's because of this stuff. So, I mean, yeah, that's kind of one of the things I would tell parents is buy it, but also realize it does take a little while, but it will yield results. I can promise you that for some people it will yield results at points. Yeah, and I, I want to reiterate that um, we're talking about comic books and, and geek culture and, and and all the great stuff about it. But if your kid doesn't like comic books or they like something else, you know, just show interest in whatever they show interest in. That's really, that'll get the Oh, go after the spark. it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, go after a full tilt. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, that spark and everything. They don't have to be in the comic books. I mean, if they, if they hate comic books, but they love Harry Potter, for instance, and you know, get them into Harry Potter, get them a book and stuff, see what happens. Or 
if, you know, going out of geek culture, that, that's almost impossible for my brain to do at this point in time, actually. I don't think I can. But, <laughs> but you get the idea. It's like if you can, if you find that spark, that's all you have to do is just go after that mm-hmm. and help them with that. Yeah, like and a lot works. of kids like music that maybe their parents aren't into. Well, you know, if you're having trouble communicating with your kid and they tell you they like something and you tell them it's stupid, you're not helping out. <laughs> you're not really improving your communication with your kid. You know, just show a little interest, a little consideration for, for their interest. Yeah, just just consideration. I mean, like, look, most kids are smart, so after a while they can really, I mean, you know, after a while they kind of realize, well, my parents aren't too into this, but you know what? They're kind of into it, and they're talking about it with me. So, and you know, deep down, I think most kids kind of go to themselves, say to themselves, "Is that really a bad thing?" And the answer is no, it's not a bad thing that your parents are trying to get you to talk about it or trying to help you out with it, even though they don't fully understand it. That's not a bad thing. And I mean, I think most kids, if you give them the opportunity, they'll be like, "Okay, well, they may not be fully into it, but they're kind of showing that they love me by bringing it into my life more and more." And so that's a, and that's a that's, an, that's a fantastic thing. It's a great thing. And hopefully, ideally, everyone would end up, um, you know, coming out of, of whatever it is that's, that's, uh, that they're dealing with and, you know, 10, 15 years later be able to still share that with their parents like you're doing. It's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like I said, my dad was not into comic books when we first got this started and everything. He did it because he was like, this is getting my son to talk and I'm terrified of the fact that if I don't do this, you know, I may lose my son. I mean, he may try to kill himself again. He may try to... You know, he may hurt himself again. He may cut himself again. You know, it's one of those things. So I'm going to get him invested in it. And now, you know, he comes up to me and he's just like, hey, Chris, did you hear that, you know, we may get a Planet Hulk movie for the Avengers Phase 3. <laughs> Marvel, if you're listening to this, please, for the love of God, make it happen because I would love you forever. Um, you know, that conversation was never going to happen 10 years ago. But because of that, it's into it. Now, is he as into it as I am? No, he for instance, cannot get into Comic-Con for the life of him because he can't stand that many crowd. But gets that I do, so, you know, if he wants to come down and visit me, at t- when, when I was a teenager, he took me down every year. And I'm grateful to him for that. And I love him for that. And I'm so happy that he did that for me. And everything. Because it opened up another new door of, like, you know, the, of the nerd geek culture and everything to me when he did that. So... You know, it it helps. I can't reiterate that enough to people. That showing of just even a tiny bit of interest in it can help your kids so much. So, Richard, thank you so much for for sharing your story with us. I really think that that your experience could help a lot of kids, especially parents, um, other therapists out there who maybe, you know, have doubts about, you know, just really jumping into whatever it is that the client is into. I mean, this is a, an example of of how great it can be. So, again, just thank you so, so much for sharing your, your story with us. No, my pleasure. Anytime you get, anytime, anytime you guys need it and stuff, be more than happy. And like I said, what you guys are doing, I think, is just extraordinary and it's great. And just, you know, keep it up. Don't, don't stop doing it. Thanks. If you want to find out more information about Geek Therapy, uh, visit us on geektherapy.com or follow us on Twitter at Geek Therapy. Thank you. <laughs>